Another one is I don't need to earn the right to enjoy different kinds of foods. Now repeat that one back because I think it's a very important one to say. I don't need to earn the right to enjoy different kinds of foods. Now people will impose this a different idea on you all the time and say things like, oh, you're earning your blah, 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 whatever today. And I've had that said to me and I'm like, I can enjoy whatever the hell I want to. I don't need to earn it. The big question is this. In a world of fake Instagram models and fad diets, how do real people achieve their fitness goals? We are an army of hardworking women changing their lives through fitness and health. Wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere. Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelsey. Welcome back. Remember when... I called you today and you were listening to smooth jazz and then it made me think of, you should say, hello everyone and welcome back to 99.9 smooth jazz. This is your host, Delilah. <laughs> We've referenced Delilah like a couple times in our podcast. If you don't like, reference Delilah on a weekly, I don't care. I don't care. I freaking love her and I don't have any qualms about it. I'm not ashamed. No, she has a... Very relaxing, calming voice. I wish. I <laughs> I wish. Everything in my life has led me to wish that I had the voice of the angel Delilah. <laughs> and just the like temperament. Well, Can you yeah. use that with people? I don't know. <laughs> people have temperaments. She just seems to be so level-headed. <laughs> that, that Delilah. <laughs> every, every single thing is that I want to be is still, I, I just, she's everything I'm not. Mm, that's true. Also, I wasn't just to, you know, clarify with the listeners. I wasn't listening to smooth jazz. Yeah, you were. I was listening to, it's called Deep Focus on Spotify. And it just is nice. Like, do you ever, are you ever working or like trying to be creative and like you can't have other people's like words in music happening? You know what I mean? Like I do like to listen to songs that have lyrics, but not when I'm like creating something because then I'm just like singing along and then I'm bopping and then I'm doing the dishes and I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> do you ever struggle with the sounds of other people <laughs> in your life? It sounds like an infomercial to me. If so, you need deep focus on Spotify. <laughs> oh man, we need to contact them. You know what? <laughs> I want my revenue. <laughs> Did you have a rapid fire? Oh, I had a rapid fire. I love this rapid fire because, um, well, I, I'm pretty sure being your sister, your older sister especially, that I know all of the answers to these, but sometimes you do surprise me, and I also feel like it's a fun thing for our girls to hear and learn a little bit more about random tidbits about you, so I have a rapid fire. It's okay. called Love It or Hate It. Mm -hmm. All you can say- <laughs> 
<laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. See, this is why this game is great because I knew that when I said I was like, I vote when I introduce this game, she's gonna go heights it. <laughs> it was just as I thought. You did you you always I played right into it. Damn it. <laughs> Predictable. <laughs> So all you can say is love it or hate it. There can be no explanation. That's the fun of the game. No explaining, just two words. You either love it or you hate it. Okay. Ready? Ready. Set. My son is really into ready, steady, go. <laughs> um, I just use these things. Scary movies. Love it or hate it. Hates it. <laughs> Yoga. Love it or hate it. Love it. No explaining. <laughs> Post workout shakes. Love them. Hates it. <laughs> High heels. Hates it. <laughs> Country music. Love it. Love it. Shaving your legs. Hate it. Sleeping in. Mmm. Love it. Being sore. Mm, love it. <laughs> Black coffee. Love it. Being the driver. Hate it. Celebrating your own birthday. Oh. Um. Love it. Talking on the phone. Hate it. <laughs> Why don't you just text me? Job. <laughs> the rapid fire. Good job. You did not even try to explain one. You you followed the rules and you did a great job. I'm a rule follower. Do you, <laughs> do you feel as if you need to explain any of your I'll let you have 30 seconds have explanation? Sometimes I hate celebrating my own birthday. So <laughs> like I would I kind of like celebrating other people's birthdays better because, like, I, you get the anticipation of, like, them opening the gift that you got them. Are they going to like it? And then you get to, like, make things for them. But, like, when it's your own, it's, like, everyone's worried about your reaction. And is it, is it good enough? Like, am I smiling enough? Am I like, – You often – I'm worried about if people are perceiving how happy I am enough. Like, if they do special things for me, I want them to know that I appreciate it. But, like, do I have to be overboard? You <laughs> often have reaction anxiety. I have so much reaction anxiety. You're so right. I it, like, legitimately, it. like, makes me nervous. So I have, like, when my birthday com comes up, I'm like, oh, God, what if someone surprises me? And then I don't react correctly and they think I hate it and I disappointed them. Yeah. I feel like more people have that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would include if you care what care what other people thought. So I struggle shit. in that department. <laughs> you don't give a shit. I'm like thinking about it for days. Rachel's like, I, that's one place that we differ. Rachel, I'm like, I'm mulling over it, and then afterwards I'll be like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't give that person enough to let them know I appreciate them. And Rachel's like, nah, what happened? <laughs> I do not mull. Well, it's good to have friends like that, though. You know you're not – I know you're not mulling over something that I did, and that gives me comfort. It does? Sure. <laughs> yes. 
Kiss me comfort because you already called me up and you're like, bitch. <laughs> bitch, why are you worried? Why are you mulling? Stop mulling. Is that a word that people use outside of this? Mulling? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Okay. I well, hope so. I guess we'll find out. I guess I <laughs> the hard way, as we usually do. Guys, people don't call it a carriage. <laughs> Okay. It's not a pocketbook all of a sudden. Um, so today's episode I am excited about because I am always excited about food episodes because I think that – I don't know. I just – I really like food episodes because I feel like they're so relatable because everybody everybody eats. I love food episodes because I think it's what people have identified as something that they continuously struggle with. And you have to consume food to live. So the fact that we are struggling with this thing that we have to consume, it makes me feel like, I don't know, I, I, I feel like we need to talk about it all the time because until we change this idea, this mindset around it, like you're still going to face this decision every single day, multiple times a day. I am watching Alone right now. Do you watch Alone? No. Oh, do you know what it is? It a show? Mm-mm. It's like a reality. Oh, it's not really a reality show, but it, I guess it sort of is. But it's like they drop off like survivalist people. Like that's like what they do and they have to like prove it like to be on the show. So they yeah. drop them off in like this unbelievably like harsh atmosphere and they can only bring 10 things and then they have to survive. And then like the contest is – that the last person standing is like a winner of money, but they don't know when the other people have tapped out. So like, it's sort like there's 10 people to start, but you don't know when the, you're like separated from the other people. You don't know when they're going home. So you just have to like try to outlast them, but you don't know how long they're going to stay. Anyways, they're in the Arctic this season. And ugh, yeah, they like – the idea that you need to eat food to live, like these people, I watched, so I've been watching the show. Like, it's, I don't know if you need to eat to live because these people are not eating. Well, this yeah. one guy, this one guy got a moose, so he's eating, but the rest of them are like not eating and they're like making it. But oh, I have. Sounds awful. <laughs> It's not a very uplifting show, if I'm being no. honest. No, I wouldn't. I think that would just like give me anxiety. I'd probably be like dreaming about them. Like, I wonder if this guy's gonna make it through the night. Like, I feel like. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, they're totally on their own for survival. But I, I definitely think that that would give you like a a different view of of food if you have been in a situation where you are like without it. I just think that it's a. I don't know. It's I. I don't know why I brought up. I don't know why I brought that up. Just <laughs> well, it's kind of I'm the opposite sorry. of the culture we live in of being in a surplus culture and then being in the opposite side of that. <laughs> well, I think what, what I, I think where my roundabout point was getting was I think that the surplus culture ha is what has created this like good or bad mindset around food because when you're not in a surplus, when you're like using food as what it is, which is a tool to survive, none of it's bad. It's all good, right? Like no one would, on a loan would be like, I don't know if I'm going to eat this. It seems a little bad for like, I mean, 
it is like all food is good because food is nourishment and it helps you to stay alive another day. But when you're in this surplus culture, um, I think that is what has brought us to a place where we feel like we have to define food. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think it's, I think it's really brought us down a really negative road where now like food has taken on this whole nother, I don't know. I guess it's taken on this this it's like become this animal that we are like now cat, having to categorize whether we're happy about our food choices, whether we're proud, whether we're shameful, whether there it's good or bad. I mean, all of these things have brought us to a re- a place where we have like a generally unhealthy relationship with food. So I think on the on the flip side of that, I think there is an entire population of people who have not had food readily available at certain times within their lives. And then it's created this really push-pull relationship with food when it is available. So if, 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 if food has not been available at some point in your life or been restricted in some way, and I think that's what we're really going to get, we're really going talk to talk about, is when you introduce restrictions in your diet and how that influences your mindset surrounding food. So a great example for me is just having worked in foster care and treatment programs for so many years. The restrictions surrounding food when you live in a group setting is significant because you can't have 12 people have access to the kitchen at the same time. And, you know, there's only to, to stop the chaos, there's only certain times and amounts that people can have. And that creates this scarcity surrounding food where you get into that kind of like hoarding mentality and that binging mentality where you feel like that control is where you get food and I'm going to keep it and I'm going to eat as much as I can because I don't know when I'm going to get my next meal. So this all comes together in just this messed up mindset. It's really complex. (laughs) I'm really glad you brought that up because there definitely are two sides. There There is a surplus side where people have unlimited access to food and it kind of creates this feeling of guilt when they inevitably are choosing some foods that they're they're not happy with because they have so much access and then there's that scarcity where like food isn't available and then when it and it's really really interesting because there are so much complex emotions attached to this thing that we need to survive and there should be right because like it's something you need to survive so obviously there it's going to have an emotional it's going to have an emotional connection when you think about food. But I think what has happened is that we've taken- insert diet culture. (laughs) Okay. So that's really an interesting, right? That's like a really interesting thing that has happened. Now diet culture has come along and we have had seen this massive struggle with obesity and excess fat and people, you know, having these obesity-related diseases. And these mental health problems related to food that are surrounding, wholeheartedly surrounding addiction, surrounding food. It's such an incredibly complex and, and I wouldn't even, and we've hit on some of the complexities in past episodes. And I think what we want to do with this episode is really to just hit on the language surrounding food, the idea of cheat meals, the idea that there are good foods and bad foods. This terminology has really led us 
down a path of connecting all of those emotions to food. I'm a, I'm good because I'm eating this way. I'm bad because I'm eating this way. I'm shameful because I'm eating this way or any of those emotions. If we can sort of try to disconnect food from having these labels and this cheat meal mindset, I think that a lot of people can start to heal their relationship with food. So let's just start on the terminology. And and this is an interesting thing because cheat the cheat meal mindset has come from not only diet culture, but people who are trying to help the relationship with food or help people live a healthier lifestyle. But then we've labeled these like cheat meals. So what we really want to talk about is cheat meal mindset versus a balanced mindset. And you might know which one you fall under and it might be a mixture of both. Totally fine. You don't need to stay in any box, especially not in this this podcast, but you don't need to stay in any box. If you have a cheat meal mindset, you might say some things like, I need to burn off bad food choices with a punishment exercise. A common phrase with this is, how many burpees do I need to eat? Do Do I eat? How many burpees do I need to do to eat this donut or to eat pizza? And relating the exercise as some type of punishment for what whatever you're going to consume. That's a cheat meal mindset. Absolutely. So another uh, an example of a cheat meal mindset is that I used to do this. I ate clean all week and so now I deserve X, which is usually some sort of a binge. This is the whole idea of cheat meals is like I'm going to deprive myself for X amount of time. And then somehow I've earned the right to then binge on all of these foods that I deprived myself of. So it's sort of like this, I only get it if I do this, like sort of a a weird reward system with food, which I was 100% wrapped up in that culture. So I know I'm glad you said that too. I know you mentioned it like in a in another podcast that we had talked about, but I'm glad you mentioned that too because the idea of I am good all week and then I am bad, I get to I get to earn this like binging thing. It just continues this mindset of these things are good. The I enjoy eating things and I don't enjoy eating healthier foods or or whatever. Or maybe you're eating gross foods and you think that's eating healthy. I don't know. Well, that's what I was doing. What I was yes. doing was I was making these horribly bland terribly, calorically, extremely low. Like I would make, I would meal prep. You had a lot of leaves there. (laughs) (laughs) I would meal prep like plain, like boiled chicken. I would put it on like plain brown rice and like a side of broccoli. And I wouldn't let myself put like any salt or butter or anything on it. And I would meal prep that for all my lunches during the week. And I would call that eating clean. And I would suffer through every bite all week long with like the dream at the end of the week that like then I would have earned my like pepperoni pizza from like some gross like place (laughs) and like ice cream afterward and like that all these things were like my key. If I did these things, if I suffered in this way, then I would somehow earn a weekend full of like nasty like it was, but it was weird because it was both nasty. <laughs> I know <laughs> like my, my like, eating was gross, and my my bad. I'm air bunning, 
hair bunny. Mm -hmm. My bad eating was gross and it was all gross. And it was like, so this gross or this gross? Like it it was a very strange, that was a strange time, but I think that a lot- Strange dynamic, but a lot of people are are in that right now. And I think the next one too is I can earn bad foods by eating less calories. I 100% was all in with this one too. I can earn bad foods by eating less calories. So the thought of, okay, if I just am deprived for this amount of time and an entire diet culture was built on this, hello, intermittent fasting, (laughs) you restrict a certain amount of calories, then I can eat them later, right? The answer to that is no. And if you want to know how I feel about intermittent fasting, there you go. But the, the whole mindset between that restriction and then I can binge on this other thing, I was in that mindset and it was so horrible. Like I wouldn't eat things all day until I could at the end of the day, maybe like get a pizza or something. I'm talking like during the day, I would just have like crackers and like coffee, you know? And then at the end of the day, it's like, well, it's a, it's a calories in versus calorie out game, right? Like, no, I, I'm still under the, the amount. Cause this is all I'm having today. Terrible. Like you were like sleeping them up. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. No, I never did that. Cause I'm, I'm a hungry bitch, but <laughs> <laughs> I was saving them. Okay. We're saving them. For the, I have a mindset okay. like that. Remember when I saved my teeth? Yes. I <laughs> That was disgusting. She, she refused to give them to the tooth fairy because she wanted to, and it's a hoarding mindset. It's like, I mean, you do that with clothes still today. I'm like, that shirt is going to eat. Well, I know it's a part of my personality that I continue to address and look at and think of, you know what I mean? Like every person is going to know there are certain aspects of their personality that they have tendencies to fall under. And Rachel's words, I'm going to eat plain things all week so that I can binge on the weekend. And mine was like, well, I'll just save up. Well, mine's like a suffering because I do. I'll, mm. I find myself doing this like I'm a martyr in my whole, in my life too. Like like you said, like I find myself doing this in my life. Like if I just suffer enough, then I'll somehow earn like something, like whatever it is. I just have to suffer through, and it has to be horrible. And you still own shirts from the eighth grade, so I want to know yeah. when you're going to throw those out. I want to know when you're going to throw those out. <laughs> So no, it's true. And you have to take a look at your inner personality and see like where it manifests and like you'll find things in your food, in your food culture, how Mm -hmm. you address food that are like consistent with how you sort of do other things in your life too. The last one, a lot of people, I have never done this, but I've seen a lot of people that I know do this, that I had this really tough workout. I, I, I did this really, really hard workout and now I deserve a donut. Or like, I'm going to have like some sort of like... It's a similar reward system, just in another language. If I suffered through this workout, then I deserve this food, which also inadvertently puts this mindset of the workout is bad and suffering and you you just have to make it through it to the prize being some type of not nutritious food, which just continues the same mindset of like, these things are bad and these things are good. So I really like, I hate the cheat meal mindset because I think in every way that it's used, it's damaging to your psyche. It's damaging to the way that you think about your body, the way you think about your workouts and the way that you think about the food that you're going to be consuming. So on the other side of that, go ahead. I just, I just, I just fist pumped you. I just, (laughs) 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 that's okay. I did, that's 
in a nutshell, that's everything. And having lived through it, I can say that there is another way. There's a better mousetrap on this. That is not the only way to have like, I guess, physique that you're looking for. And it's just not, it, actually, it's not even the best way. It's not even the best way. And it's so singular focused on just a physique and not focused on health. Because when we talk about health, we have to talk about our body and our mindset. And if we have an unhealthy mindset that you think is leading to a healthy body, we really have to look at that because that is not health. That's not what we are striving for when we're looking at a healthy whole self, oh, right? You are on today. That's like so clap worthy. <laughs> oh, girl. Oh, yeah. I'm just turning off my mic. You just do this. You are crushing it. Yeah, totally. You have an unhealthy mindset that's leading to a healthy body. What? I don't think so. That does not make sense. That does not make any sense. So, okay. We've given some examples of a cheat meal sort of mindset and how those things can sort of manifest in the way you speak and think about food. So if you feel like you have said any of those things, if you fall into any of those categories, let's just talk about counteracting that and maybe moving more towards a more balanced mindset where you and food are coexisting in a way that neither one of you is good or bad, that you are just using each other for survival. So let's talk a little bit about a, a balanced mindset. So examples of this is like you can say, I can nourish my body and enjoy cake, chocolate, whatever it is your your thing is that you enjoy. I really love this one because we start to think of them as very singular, like I can nourish my body or I can have, when you can have both and that's what balance looks like. Another one is I don't need to earn the right to enjoy different kinds of foods. Now repeat that one back because I think it's a very important one to say. I don't need to earn the right to enjoy different kinds of foods. Now people will impose this a different idea on you all the time and say things like, oh, you're earning your blah, 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 whatever today. And I've had that said to me and I'm like, I can enjoy whatever the hell I want to. I don't need to earn it. And who told you? <laughs> who made you the person that I that decides if I earn it or not? Like, this is a personal choice. The things that go into your body and what you do with your body is the most personal choices you make on the planet. So make sure that they are yours and only yours and people are not going to impose them on you. Yes, yes. And I, I just want to hit on that first one because I just think that the this was the thing that I struggled with the most is it was always either or. I'm either eating plain boiled chicken or a Papagino's pizza. Like there's like I can't – those two things cannot combine in the same day. They weren't even in the same week. It was like this is for weekdays and this is for weekends. Like the idea that you cannot nourish your body and eat enjoyable foods at the same time is just something we need to let go of. Like all in one day, can you have foods you enjoy and also foods that nourish your body? And very importantly, I think, is that eating I, – I hate like eating healthy. I'm going to air bunnies that too because like what does yeah. that even mean? What was healthy for you at that moment? 
Okay. <laughs> should and will be an enjoyable experience. Like your food should taste good to you and enjoyable and like, wow, this is awesome. And it should and, – and it can also be nutritious choice. Like those are not two separate things or concepts. So like you can eat clean and eat chocolate. Like these things belong together. It's not one or the other. And there aren't any good or bad foods. It's just food. There are just foods. Food. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, actually, there are some things that are not food. Yeah. Because they're filled with so much chemicals that they stopped being food a long time ago. And that's really where I draw my line where I say, like, what is a good food or a bad food? If it's like, is it food or is it not food? That's really the only, like, like categorization I'll do. Like, Food is things that I can see that have grown somewhere that I can, that I, you know, have, like I can, they are the food, right? They are the ingredient. And eggplant, what's the ingredients? Eggplant. Like that's the thing. (laughs) But things that are not foods are things where I turn over the ingredients and I don't recognize more than 50% of the things on there because they aren't actual words. (laughs) like I'm not sure that doesn't sound like a food to me so like that's where I say like well this isn't really food so that's really the category it belongs in it's it's sort of a non-food it's like I can eat dirt and polycyphorous and those are (laughs) and I think one important thing is that if you are someone who is like okay but I'm trying to figure out how I can live a healthy lifestyle and what does that look like number one it starts with stop labeling foods of good or bad foods and realizing that a lifestyle choice of living a healthy lifestyle is not that one or the other thing. And a really good example that I just want to hit home on this is there are so many assumptions based on what your body looks like that people are going to make on the the foods that you're choosing to eat, the lifestyle you're choosing to live. And this is one that is imposed on me all the time. So I will specifically, and I think a lot of women will agree with it in different ways that it's imposed on them whether they carry a certain amount of body fat and people impose that they are unhealthy eaters or are unhealthy because they don't look like something else. They've just, someone else decided a healthy person looks like. Now for me, if what's imposed on me is you must eat so clean. You have no cheat meals. You don't eat any chocolate pizza, whatever. Now this is something, or your diet is so strict. Now, number one, if you ever think of those words coming out of your mouth when you're imposing something on someone else, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you live with them? Okay. Or do you spend every meal with them? Okay. You don't know what they're eating. (laughs) So maybe don't impose that on them just for every single person. Do not impose that on them if you don't know. You don't spend every meal with them. You don't know what they're eating. Well, you know what happens when you assume. (laughs) We can ask that you and me. Yes, you do. Stop assuming you know what's going on in someone else's kitchen unless you are in that kitchen with them for every other meal. Then you would know. Other than that, please, please don't say to anyone, well, you must be eating like X because that's just an absolute assumption and you look like an asshole. Yeah. And it's offensive to the receiver. You don't know what I'm eating? How dare you assume? (laughs) And the idea of assuming that someone doesn't have what you 
you consider to be bad foods to be like chocolate or ice cream or whatever, to assume that if someone is a certain body fat or looks some way aesthetically, that they are depriving themselves of those things, that is your own mindset being imposed on someone else. That's not mine. That's certainly not mine. I have Laura Bar and Rice Dream every night. <laughs> it's chocolate. It's like my like chocolate thing because I happen to be lactose intolerant. So I don't have like regular milk, but my Rice Dream is like the old throwback. But that's something that I have nearly every night as part of my like, for me, like a brownie thing that doesn't upset my stomach. That's not even necessarily like a nutrition choice. It doesn't upset my stomach because it's made with dates and chocolate and it tastes good for me and it's enough to not sit like a crane in my belly. That's a choice that I make. I enjoy this, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, I think that brings us back to like when people say like, I know a lot of people ask you and uh, we're asked a lot, like, what, how do you eat? I want to give me your secret. Like, I want to eat what you eat. And first of all, I can't hit on enough how inappropriate that is because what I eat and what versus what Kelsey eats versus what you should eat. Those are all so individualized. And like the idea that you can follow someone Very else. Yeah, it's so unique. And the idea that you can follow someone else's blueprint and then like sort of morph into them is just like a super weird thing. Like, no, you we can't eat what each other eats and then start looking like each other. And why would we want to? So it would, that would be weird. So when, when I know when you give, like we struggle with like, okay, when people ask like, well, how should I eat to live my healthiest lifestyle? I eat clean. I'm air bunnying here. It has become a really popular choice to like explain to people how we eat. But I actually really hate the like I eat clean because first of all, that is so unbelievably broad and like what's eating dirty? Is that like when you don't wash your mushrooms? Is that like dirty? <laughs> I mean, dirty today. I didn't wash my strawberries. Dirty. I don't understand. I, well, I think that's why it's such a hard question too because it's so hard to fit into an acceptable answer that people want to hear because they want to hear the bullshit that they've been fed. And I, and I think that's – it's a really important point because anyone who answers you with this is what I've – follower, what I do, I kind of would give that a pause in the first place. Because number one, why are you so quick to tell me what I should do with my body when you don't, you don't have any idea my activity level, like you don't know anything about <laughs> me or where I'm at. And I, I think that's such a hard, a hard thing. And I think when it comes to eating clean, again, air bunnies, because the acceptable answer to say back is real food. And that is the most rejected answer. I say that all the time and people are like, okay, but what does that mean? And I'm like, eat real food, you know, limit sugar. <laughs> You're really trying to improve your health. I, I would, I would limit alcohol, but these things you already know, right? Like you already, you already know alcohol isn't necessarily like moving you closer to your goals, but it's part of your balanced lifestyle. Maybe, maybe it isn't. That's a personal choice for you. And I support you either way. But I think the, the idea of giving the response of I eat real food is a frustrating one for a lot of people, but I would empower you to, I would encourage you to, to view it as empowering, right? Because you can eat real food and the things that taste good to you and still live a healthy lifestyle. Right. And we've said we don't it. don't like the same things. Exactly. And we've said it a hundred times. It, like 
if you don't like kale, don't eat kale. You know, just because I like spinach. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Just because Kelsey happens to include spinach in her lifestyle because she enjoys the taste of it does not mean it's the key to unlocking all of the health secrets and you'll have six abs showing if you eat all the spinach. Like that, and it doesn't have to be. And I think that's a stopper for a lot of people is when they get to like, well, what does that person eat? And then that person says, well, here's an example of a meal. Like I happen to like spinach and avocado and eggplant and all these things. And then like the person goes, well, I don't like any of those. So I can never look like she looks Mm -hmm. like, first of all, you don't want to look like she looks, you want to look like you look, but if you want that to be the healthiest version of you, that's going to include foods that you enjoy. And it's the same parameters is that it's, it's just, we're only categorizing food and non-food. That's it. Absolutely. And I think too, just if, if, if you are thinking about this podcast and like looking back, listen to the 800 gram one for, for other guidelines. We did a 800 gram podcast and that was a really good one just to think about like, am I getting enough nutritious foods for my body in and not labeling these good and bad foods, but you do need a nutritious diet. Like your body needs nutrition and that, and you don't do that because you hate it. You do that because you love it. It's so it's the, the backwards mindset. Like I don't eat spinach because I hate myself. I eat it because I enjoy it and it feels good in my body, right? Like I, I just, that there's a whole mindset shift there that we really have to focus on. The next thing I think we want to get into is the control factor because there is so much control surrounding food and we gain control from food, right? And we lose control with our binging episodes. So and we see this when, when people refer to willpower, right? I lost my willpower. And, and what they're saying is I lost control because I was trying to control my diet so tight that it was unsustainable. And I lost my willpower and I binged. And now I have shame and I am sad. And now I'm, I'm, I need to get back on the wagon, this magical freaking wagon. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, when we talk about the straightest road to get to something, it's a flat and even road. It's not a road of all of these roller coasters. How I often refer to these sort of gaining and losing control and using food as like a method to do that is sort of like being on a roller coaster. You're tick, 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 ticking up the roller coaster. And then like, that's like you having some sort of control and then you're going down the roller coaster. We, this is me like eating all the things because I have been so deprived. And ultimately that is a crazy, insane way that is going to make you vomit (laughs) to get to, it's a slower path to get to your end goal. If your end goal is a healthy body that runs without limitations and is limit free, ultimately just get on the flattest path to get there. And that is not one of gaining and losing control through food. It's just one of consistency and understanding that all food has a place and it's all about the balance that you are going to bring. And I really want to encourage anyone who has identifying themselves in this, like, I really gain control in my life when I can control my food choices and then I lose control when I binge. I really want to encourage anybody who identifies in that is to explore 
the different ways in which your life may feel out of control for you. Because if you feel, and I'm not a psychologist, but I, I, this just makes sense to me. If you feel that you are lacking control in a lot of areas of your life and that this is an issue for you, one of the only things we can control is what we eat, right? That's like fully and 100% in our control. So using that as a way to get control back in your life rather than addressing the issues that may have brought you here in the first place and getting strategies that you can actually feel more in control of your personal life, I just think that you've got to look beyond what the immediate symptom is. If you Absolutely. if you see yourself in that, I think you may want to look at, say like, why am I using food in this way? It's really not meant to be used in that way. It's just something to keep me alive. Why am I using it as a way to punish myself or reward myself or feel in control or not in control? That is something that we need to look at from a bigger scope and like really back up and say like, what's going on in my life that I'm using food in this way? Absolutely. And that, and that starts to look at addressing the problem and not just putting a Band-Aid on the bleeding jugular. And I think that's that's something we have promoted since the day we started this podcast is to get off the roller coaster and start living a, a true life to a sustainable lifestyle. But I think that a thing that you brought up is part of that roller coaster gives a false sense of accomplishment when you are on this cycle, when you're in this this cycle of control, right? So you have a you lose some some fat during this time when you are in ultimate control and you have a false sense of accomplishment because you think it worked. Now this is what diet culture breeds on. You think that maybe keto, for example, worked because you lost a certain amount of weight during a specific time. Now, obviously it was unsustainable, so you fell off, but you want to blame yourself for the reasons why you were not able to sustain that, right? Why you weren't able to keep that significant calorie deficit or why you were strict all week and then you binged on the weekend and like, if I could just have kept with the all week, which was never sustainable in the first place, it gives this false sense that that thing worked. It didn't work. It never did work. <laughs> but this is the this is the conversation we have to continue having because if you see success for a short period of time, we think that was the success and that we messed it up. When really that was not designed for you in the first place. It was never going to be successful and success has to be judged on a long-term scale or uh, I mean what are we really judging, right? Like if we're just judging a couple of months or a couple of weeks and saying like that's a success but over my entire life that wasn't successful. We have such a short-term memory with that too. I talk to a lot of women who say like, well, this was successful during that time. And I remember meeting with them during that time and how miserable they actually were mentally during those months of that cut or that diet or whatever, how they were sitting at lunches with friends, wishing they could have some bread, but they weren't going to do that or wishing they could eat what another person was eating. And then they just sit there and they just like, feel sad. And, and, and I'm like, do you remember, like you, you know, you eventually fell off that and then look back at it with these rosy colored glasses into thinking that that was a good time. And really, really, it was a miserable time. It's like looking back at that relationship you know, that you left and thinking like, oh, but that was such a good thing. No, you left for a reason. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It, it didn't work and it wasn't going to work long term. 
So we can look at it back and say like, oh, that was so great. But in reality, it wasn't that great. It wasn't ever for you. And if we could have been on the straighter path that entire time, it was sort of like wasted time because inevitably it ended and then people go into these big extremes and swings of now I'm just going to throw everything out the window and I'm not going to worry about making any nutritious choices and I'm just going to. And then we're sort of right back where we started, whereas the straighter path to that would have been the whole entire time to just focus on making more nutritious choices, including the foods that you still love in moderation as you would with everything. Let's just think about eating as you think about every other thing in your entire life. It's the same. Like when you want to talk about like your work ethic, your job, your parenting skills, like Every single other thing in your life, when you look at it, you say like, okay, how am I going to be successful in this long term? I'm not going to, to be successful long term, I'm not going to work a 12-hour day and then not work for the rest of the week. That wouldn't be like, you'd never be successful from that. You wouldn't say like, today I'm going to focus on not yelling at my kid to be a better parent, but for the next two days, I'm going to scream at them every single chance I get. Those are, that's not going to create overall success. So when you put that in terms of food, it's the exact same thing. It's like, I'm going to yell at my kid less today. I'm just going to try to yell at them just once a day. (laughs) I'm going to try to not blow my top 14 times. But if I do it once, that's okay. Like that same mindset for food. I'm not going to sit down to an entire tub of ice cream, but I might have a little twice, three times a week. Like that's not a big deal. I'm going to give myself some grace. But when you think about food in di- in a different way and you sort of relate it to like how you want to improve everything in your life and you say, if I just use those same terms, would I be overall better, 1% better every single day leads me to a ton percent better over the long term. That's really, I think, instead of that good and bad, everything is included and it's included in the ways that are going to work for your overall success. Right. Like I love when you said earlier too, like that these are just another decision that we're going to make today. We make several decisions throughout the day and our food is in the same categories. We make decisions for our lives and we make them knowingly. And I think when it comes to food, sometimes we try to trick ourselves and overcomplicate whether this is a good decision or bad decision. Maybe it's just a decision and it might be the right one for right now today. And it doesn't define the decisions you're going to make for the rest of the week. It doesn't even define the decisions you're going to make for the rest of the day. No, let me just, let me say that again. Just because you make a decision, you know, at the beginning of the day that you didn't feel like it was a fully nutritious choice, the, the whole day is not out the window. You have several decisions going to make for the rest of the day. And each one is a new opportunity, right? Like each decision is another time that you're going to say, okay, what, what decision am I going to make today? How is this going to contribute to my life, my health, my happiness? 
And is it a good one? Now, if, if you are at a birthday party and you say, okay, is having some cake right now going to contribute to my life, my health, my happiness? And I say, I'm going to feel happier after I have this. Guess what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. Now, that judgment on myself is not going to be a good or bad decision. It was a, a good decision for right then, regardless of whether I had the cake or not. It was my decision. And I think owning that and really beginning to like fully take ownership of the fact that we have the ability to make these decisions and that singular decisions do not define us as a person. We are not good. We are not bad because of a singular choice of food. We are not healthy or not healthy because a singular choice of food. And believe you me, I said this to you before. If someone says their part to me at a party, oh, you're being so good with your food choices because like I'm eating real food or something. Look at you being good. I always say, like, let's let's just make that person feel real uncomfortable. Oh, you should have seen me last night. I'm a, I'm actually a bad girl. <laughs> you think what's on my plate looks good, but I'm a bad, bad girl. You should have seen all the things I was doing last night. So this is the thing. We are not good and bad, okay? We are making not decisions. not for anyone else's judgment. <laughs> we are making decisions, and all of those decisions contribute to the overall happiness, health, and quality of our life. When we put food into the same category as everything else, where it belongs, then we can really start healing our relationship with it and saying, like, this is just another decision I'm making today. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. So I think as you as you leave today's podcast, maybe you have you've heard some things that you said maybe I've said that in the past or maybe I have adapted this cheat meal mentality and I would like to make some adjustments there because I want to start to heal my relationship with food. I also want to say if you are a binge eater, number one, you're not alone. There, uh, I, can't even, I can't even tell you how many other women that we talk to struggle with binge eating. What I want to say is if you come off a binge eating episode, let's try to limit the shame and embarrassment that you feel because you air bunnied ate too much for whatever the too much like made yourself sick or you just was just it was overdone for your standards because like some days like there's no no one else is deciding what's too much except for your belly right <laughs> some people think I ate too much and I'll give a shit <laughs> but like if you're coming off of one of those episodes I really want to encourage you to show yourself some grace don't go into this downward shameful, well, now I'm just in this dark hole and I can't get out. You have each day a new opportunity to make a decision for you, your health, your happiness, and your body. And you'll have one in a couple hours. That didn't define you. Your one decision does not define you. Don't worry, okay? you'll shit it out. You'll shit it out. We'll move you have no choice. You'll shit it out. <laughs> don't, don't worry. It's coming out. It's coming out in a couple hours. So like, no, really though, really. Like the idea that this one meal is like the end all be all. And Your willpower is not gone. I hear that a lot. If women have a binge eating episode, my willpower is gone. Like it all of a sudden left. 
it ran out the door and you can't catch it. You can't get it back or you can't, you know, like it's, it's this like fleeting thing. And it's like, no, no, that along with motivation is not this, this thing that comes and goes out of the air. It is just a decision you make. And when you realize that decision is yours, that's so much more empowering. Right. And it's built on habits. If you've built habits around making sure that the majority of the food that you're eating is actual food, then that habit will just sort of perpetuate and roll into a giant snowball. And if you feel like you have some sort of patterns that you're seeing with your eating as well and that they are surrounding this cheat mentality, try to maybe include some of your indulgences, whatever you consider to be an indulgence, more frequently in lesser quantities. So like instead of I had this really hard workout and then I, so I deserve this tub of ice cream or like I had a tub of ice cream. So now I have to go punish myself on the Stairmaster or something. Instead, what if you just tried like, I'm going to have three spoonfuls of ice cream every night and I'm never going to eat the whole tub. It's going to take me like I don't know, like a month to eat the whole tub at that rate. But instead of that, like that pattern that you've already set up for yourself, where we all just run in these habitual patterns. And once one is set, it's sort of hard to break. But if you can break that pattern with like, just including some, like what I do is just, um, I eat like a little bite. It's not a little bite. It's a full bite, two full bites (laughs) sometimes of chocolate after my meal. Like I I know I like that and I know I want it. And so I just do it. And over the long term, it's very actually little chocolate, but I don't ever have to sit down and like eat like an entire bag of something or have this cheat mentality where I have to like feel bad and work out twice as hard or something, whatever. It's just like, no, that's just a part of my everyday life. And it that may not be a thing for you or it may, but just if you see a pattern developing, just try to throw a wrench in it and see if you can develop sort of a different pattern that may be a little bit more sustainable. Absolutely. And all about all about that mindset of how you're looking at that pattern how you're looking at the gym, how you're looking at the food, how you're, when you're going to the gym, I'm going to honor my, what my body can do today. It's not punishment. Like that simple adjustment in my mind that can make all of the difference. Like when you show up, you're not there because of shame or over the things that you ate or punishment. You're there to just honor what your body can do. And it becomes a whole new ball game. If you want to have some support in this journey, if you want to be able to speak to like-minded women, get in our Facebook group, Fitness Programming by CBG, and we have so many women in there who can totally, totally support you and everything that you are trying to work on to make sure that your mindset surrounding food is a healthy one. And that's really, we just want the mindset to match the body. Healthy, healthy makes a healthy, happy person. So get in the group. We'll be in there and we love you and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, head over to the Facebook group and take part in our free weekly workouts for a chance to win some badass gear. Search Fitness Programming by CVG on Facebook. We're in there every day. It's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out constantlyvariedgear.com. See you next week. Crush your goals.